Amen. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. The first day of the week coming after the Sabbath, which would have been Saturday. And Sunday uh, was considered the first day of the week. It says, As the first day of the week began to dawn. And not only would this be the dawn of a new day, it would be the dawn of a new life for anyone that would put their faith in Jesus. And so when the people that day were waking up after the terrible experience of what happened on what we call Good Friday, being good because we were supposed to die on that cross, and Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, I'm taking your place. We celebrate Good Friday as Jesus took on the sins of the world, our sins. So as they're waking up that morning, not only was it a new day, it meant new life. And Mary Magdalene, verse 1, and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Verse 3, Matthew 28, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the Roman guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But in verse 5 it says, But the angel of the Lord answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. But to the Roman guards he said, Be very afraid. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. But you have to imagine. He tells the women, Don't be afraid. And the guards are terrified for their life. Doesn't say anything to them. But he says to the women, he says to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. That phrase, we're going to look at it in just a moment and for a little bit. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What a powerful, powerful statement we even saw as a trend through the Gospels, coming from a place of the supernatural to the natural. Do not be fearful. Do not be afraid. In Matthew 17, verse 7, on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus came to his disciples after they had fallen on their faces out of fear of the holiness of God. He says, do not be afraid. When Jesus was on his way to heal a ruler of the synagogue's daughter who was very ill, deathly ill, one of the ruler of the synagogue's servants came and met Jesus and him on the road and said, don't bother Jesus any longer. Your daughter is dead. But Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear is a major, major issue in America with all the phobias and the anxieties associated with a myriad of different things. You know, from spiders, snakes, heights, open spaces, small spaces, germs, even like chickens, zombies, clowns, public speaking. Personally, I'm glad I don't have that one. Hundreds, if not thousands of phobias And did I fail to mention the fear of death? Death. The fact that most often death comes at a time when you're not expecting it to come causes people to be concerned about what happens after life is over. 
Most people try to ignore the subject and not talk about it. But I mean, if we're going to be honest here, talking about death isn't exactly a party starter now, is it? It's not really on the top list of conversational starters. However, as much of an unpleasantry it may be, it's a reality. Even our researchers have released the latest, and if I might add, the most startling statistics for 2015, which state, and I quote, with a balanced, low-sugar and low-fat diet, regular exercise, refraining from alcohol, tobacco, and substance abuse, working in a low-stress environment, and receiving eight or more hours of sleep every night, our studies show that 10 out of every 10 people will die. End of quote. Low sugar, low fat diet? Uh, I don't know about that one. Regular exercise? Well, you know, I regularly exercise once a week. Does that count? Regular exercise, alcohol, tobacco, drug abuse? Uh, hopefully not. Low stress environment? Well, that depends on how many kids you have. Or how many kids you want to have. Or maybe you're like, man, I hope I can get married one day so I can even have kids one day to be stressed about. And you're stressed out about that. The point is, the point is, you can do everything you can do to possibly take care of yourself and to stay healthy and fit. But it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done. If you're good or bad, rich or poor, young or old, you will breathe your last breath on this earth. But the important question, which we do not want to ask and which we do not want to talk about for the most part is where will I go? You know, right? You guys understand that, that before Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was no such thing as sin. That's where sin started. When Adam disobeyed God, sin entered the world, and then there entered as well death. So before there was sin, there was no death. Do you guys understand that? Do you realize that? There was no death with the animals, not with the sea creatures, not with the birds, and not with mankind. But sin entered the world through disobedience to God, and it led to more sin. Now, sin is actually just an old English word that means to miss the mark of perfection. Now, I don't know how many archer, uh, archery pros we have here in the building today, if you're recreational or if you're competitive. But basically, you can think of like the Knights Days and Old England and Robin Hood and the, and the, and the, and the contests. Well, see, your goal was to hit the dead center bullseye. And if you miss the dead center bullseye, they would cry, sin, which means to miss the mark. See, now when we hear sin today, even though that's how it originated, when we hear sin today, we associate that word with doing something that is wrong. And simply, that is true. For when we sin, we miss the mark of perfection. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you have ever done anything that is wrong? How many of you here this morning would raise your hand? How many of you have done something wrong? Wow, most of you. And those of you that didn't raise your hands, well, you know, that's actually called lying. And that's a sin. You probably have found out by now that sinning, listen to this, is very easy to do. You don't actually have to be taught to sin. We do it very well all on our own. My juice. 
my toy, my time, my car, mine, mine, mine. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. And what I don't have yet is mine, says the four-year-old or the 44-year-old. I I can't remember which one it is. (laughs) Have you ever been angry? Yeah. Have you ever lusted? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Ask yourself this honestly. Have you dishonored your parents? Have you murdered someone? Or rather, what Jesus would say, have you ever felt like you could or have been so angry that you felt like that? Have you ever wanted something that someone else has? Have you ever cursed? Have you ever said a beep? Like, have you ever had that? Have you ever had the thoughts pop into your mind? Have you said something that was not right? See, we don't need to see a show of hands for this one, so I'll save us all the trouble and say an answer to have we done any of these things. The answer is yes, we all have. You might have even preempted me by saying, well, in answer to that question, let's rather state who hasn't done any of those things at one time or another in their life. Well, the Bible says in Romans 3.10 that there are none righteous No, not even one. In Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of of God's glorious standard, which is perfection. So that includes the pastor. Yes, I'm very sorry to disappoint you. I happen to not be perfect at all. All mankind, the playing field is level. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're in the middle, somewhere else around here in the age demographic, whatever it might be. We have all sinned, and we all fall short of the glorious standard of God. See, the standard is perfection. And even more importantly, holiness. In 1 Peter 1, 15-16, it says, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say, You must be holy because I am holy. That's what the Lord says. You be holy because I'm holy. Yet, we're not holy. We're not perfect, and we sin. The Bible will tell us in Romans 6.23, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin leads to death. Remember, Adam's sin, and then death entered this world. It was never meant to be that way. The wages of sin is death. You sin, the paycheck that comes in the mail, so to speak, is death. Eternal separation from God. Because when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. And this, this, guys, is how we can have a feeling of guilt and impending judgment as if God hates us. When we sin, we are separated from God. And that's why a lot of people in the world today... That's California. Let's narrow it down. Orange County. Let's say the city of Irvine. But we can say wherever you're from, there are people that feel that God hates them and he is just waiting to strike them with lightning. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you came in through these doors and you're like waiting to be incinerated. Like, because, man, I've sinned a lot and now I'm in church. I don't think God is really happy about me being here today. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you right now and listen very clearly. God does not hate you. And to substantiate what I just said in Romans 5, verses 6 and 8, it says, listen to this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. 
Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Hey, maybe somebody would nah, really, you know, you're good, but not that good, not dying for you especially good, maybe I'll think about it. No, it says that God shows how much he loves you by even when we were at our worst. Sinners, making mistakes, doing terrible things. Jesus came and died on the cross. So God sent, that is why God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross. He died for our sins. He took our place and he paid our price. In John 3, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So if you do not believe in Jesus here this morning, you will remain in your natural sinful state. No victory over sin. No victory over death. But for those who have faith in Jesus, there's victory over sin. There is newness of life. There's an assurance that when you breathe your last breath here on this earth, (gasps) and you breathe your first breath in heaven, (sighs) you'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Back in Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance again was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. For the person who knows Jesus personally, there is nothing to be fearful of, especially not of death. Not of death. So Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. In Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. But not only that, not only did he remove our sin from us, not only did he conquer the power of sin, He conquered the consequence of sin, which is death, for he rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. And that's why the angel says in verse 6, he is not here. He is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. In verse 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 8, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went, verse 9, to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Man, what an experience. The same Jesus that they saw whipped with that cat of nine tails by Roman executioners. The same Jesus whom they saw was spit upon, 
beaten and crowned with a crown of thorns. The same Jesus that they watched carrying His cross then nailed to that cross. The same Jesus that cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The same Jesus that voluntarily gave up His life and was speared in the side to make sure He was dead was the same Jesus that was alive. And He rose again, just as He said. He's alive. Now, in a world that we live in that's all about results, hey man, show me the results. I want to see results. I want to see something changing here. I want to see what comes from you know, your so-called product or your so-called you know, training program or your diet plan or your you know, business or whatever it might be. You know, I want to see results. Well, let me show you some results. Here you go. In Romans 5.16 it says, And the result of God's gracious gift, which was Jesus Christ, is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. I don't know of a better result than that. Be made right with God even though I'm guilty of all of these sins, which we know the Bible says we all are guilty of sin because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of that perfect standard of holiness. See, Adam's sin, the result was condemnation. Faith in Jesus leads to, be made, leads to being made right with God, though we were guilty of many sins. And so today, if you're here, maybe you came with a friend or a family member, or maybe you just thought, man, it's Easter, it's a good day for me to go to church. Maybe it's been a long time, or maybe you've never been to church the Bible tells us in Romans 8.1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Adam's sin caused death to rule. Jesus leads us to rule over sin and death. In Romans 5.17 it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, the original sinner, if you would, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And we say amen to that. Amen to that. Are you excited about that fact found in Scriptures as a follower of Jesus? Because if you are, you should be. Because it's the very thing that changes our life, revolutionizes our lives. This morning, if you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, you have the opportunity to put your faith in Him and be forgiven of all of your sins. Maybe things that you've carried with you as guilt and, and, and regret how God can make all things new. See, Jesus said in John 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may physically die, he shall live. We know spiritually. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's the real question of the day, isn't it? Because if you do understand that you have sinned and you have done things that are wrong, 
then you also understand that there's consequences for that. And you also understand that the consequences of sin leads to death, leads to pain and suffering and sorrow and emptiness and trying to fill a void that just can't be filled with anything. But not only that, you'll live your whole life trying to find the meaning of life and then lose your life and spend eternity separated from God. See, because the state that you're in here when you leave this earth is the state that you'll be in when you start the next life. For those who are in Christ, they never lose their consciousness, the awareness of the presence of the Lord in their life. 